In November of 1961, a man named Nikolaos Spokadakis, second officer of the Greek freighter called the Captain Theo, was scanning the water when one of the white caps in the distance caught his eye. He notified the captain and they set off towards the object that he had spotted. As they got closer, they couldn't believe what they saw. This is the survival tale of Terry Joe Duperalt. I'm Ashton and welcome to the Haunted Corner. Welcome back to the Haunted Corner. It's the 50th episode. I can't believe it. This has been a big week. I found out that the podcast was featured on Feedspot in their top 50 missing person podcast list. And we were at number 28, which is pretty awesome. Lots of big things are happening and I'm really excited for the next 50 episodes. Thank you for continuing to listen and share the show with your friends. It really means a lot to me. Today, I have a crazy story for you. This is a survival tale if I've ever heard one. And as per usual, I didn't know anything about this, so I'm excited to share this with you in case you haven't heard of it either. I got some of my information from a Reader's Digest article called Orphaned on the Ocean, The Unbelievable Story of Terry Joe Duperalt, and a book called Alone, Orphaned on the Ocean. The rest of the sources will be listed on the blog post and linked to in the show notes. So let's get into it. The story begins with a prominent optometrist from Green Bay, Wisconsin, named Dr. Arthur Duperalt. He spoke often of wanting to live for a year on a sailboat, cruising around the world from island to island. And by 1961, he had become successful enough to fulfill that dream, at least in part. So that year, instead of facing a hard Wisconsin winter, he, his wife, Jean, their son, Brian, who was 14, and their daughters, Terry Jo, who was 11, and Renee, who was 7, would head to the Bahamas. He chartered the luxury yacht, the Bluebell, from Fort Lauderdale, Florida, to the Bahamas for the family trip. The family was planning a one-week excursion and were planning on extending the trip if they were having a good time and everything was going well. They arrived in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, where they had rented the Bluebell and hired Julian Harvey, a former Air Force fighter pilot and an experienced sailor, to captain the ship. Harvey's wife, Mary Dean, would be joining the group on the cruise as well. So we've got the family, mom, dad, the three kids, and the captain and his wife. The family boarded the Bluebell on November 8th of 1961. As the ocean wind filled the sails, the ship set off under the watchful eye of Captain Harvey, and the Duperalt family adventure that Arthur had been planning for so long was finally underway. Over the next four days, the Bluebell sailed east toward the tiny island chain of Bimini, 
then farther east to Sandy Point, which is a village on the southwestern tip of Great Abaco Island. This is where the group spent the week collecting shells on the beaches and snorkeling in the water. The trip had seemingly been going according to plan. On Sunday, Arthur and the Harveys visited the office of Sandy Point Village Commissioner Roderick Pinder to fill out some paperwork. And there, Arthur told the commissioner, quote, this has been a once-in-a-lifetime vacation. We'll be back before Christmas, end quote. That night, Mary made chicken cacciatore and a salad for the group for dinner, and this would be the last meal served on the Bluebell. Around 9 o'clock that evening, Terry Jill, who was the 11-year-old daughter of Arthur and Jean, headed down to the sleeping quarters. Usually, her sister Renee would sleep with her as well, but that night Renee was on deck in the cockpit with their parents and their brother Brian. Terry Jo was woken up in the middle of the night by the sound of her brother yelling, quote, help daddy, help. She then heard brief running and stomping sounds, and then it was silent. She was confused, laying in her bed, shaking, and trying to figure out what to do next. After a few minutes, she crept out of her room, and this is when she saw the bodies of her mother and brother laying in a pool of blood on the floor. Where they were located was in the kitchen and dining room area during the day, and then it was transitioned into a bedroom at night. Terry Jo then went up the stairs and peeked her head out of the hatch. That's when she saw even more blood and a knife. She climbed up and onto the deck and started heading towards the front of the boat when Julian, the captain, jumped out and lunged at her, shoving her and telling her to go back downstairs. She quickly raced back to the sleeping quarters, trying not to look at her mother and brother on the way before climbing back into her bunk. At this point, she's absolutely terrified, and that's when she hears the sound of water sloshing around inside the room. She knew the cabin was filling with water, but she was too scared to move. Suddenly, she saw the silhouette of the captain standing in the doorway holding something in his hands. She realized that it was a rifle. She could feel him looking at her and could hear his heavy breathing over the sound of the water lapping. He then turned around and went up the stairs. Her moment of relief was short-lived because at that point, the water was starting to reach the top of the mattress. And the mattress started floating. And that's when Terry Joe knew that she needed to leave the cabin. She waded through waist-deep water to reach the stairs and climbed to the top deck again. As she reached the top deck, Terry Joe saw that the ship's dinghy and rubber life jack were floating beside the boat on the port side. Terry Joe asked if the ship was sinking, to which the captain replied that it was. He pushed the line to the dinghy into her hands, demanding that she hold it but she was numb from shock and she let the line slip through her fingers. The dinghy slowly drifted away from the sinking bluebell and Julian jumped overboard to catch it. Terry Joe watched him swim after the dinghy and disappear into the night. So now her family, at least her mother and brother, are dead. The captain of the sinking ship is gone. She's all alone. And somehow, in the midst of this, she remembers that there is a single life float that was lashed to the main cabin. 
which at that point was barely above water. She raced to the the float and untied it. And just as she untied it, she felt the boat deck sink beneath her feet into the ocean. She scrambled to climb into the float, and as she did, one of its lines snagged on the sinking ship. For a moment, Terry Joe and the float were pulled underwater as the blue bell went down. But fortunately, the line came free and the float with Terry Joe on it popped back up to the surface. She hunkered down in the float, worried that the captain may still be somewhere nearby. She was wearing a thin white shirt and pink pants. She had no food, no water, nothing to protect her from the elements. A large wave crashed over the float and she began to shiver. The moon had set and the clouds covered the stars, drowning out any light she may use to guide her. By the next day, which was Monday, the cold was replaced with the sun and 85 degree weather. It began to take its toll on her. The sun really burned her skin. Her mouth became very dry and the float was starting to disintegrate, which led to her legs being exposed to parrotfish which have very sharp teeth, as it turns out, and they were biting her. On Tuesday, a glimmer of hope came, though, when a red plane circled overhead. Terry Jo tried frantically to flag the plane down, and at one point it seemed like it worked. The plane got so close that Terry Jo was able to make out details on the underside of the plane, but the plane was flying at just the wrong angle, and the pilot was unable to see the young girl on her little float. With how blonde her hair was and the fact that the float was white, she blended right into the white caps. She was floating in the Northwest Providence Channel, which soon would drift north with the Gulf Stream and then east, carrying her across the wide Atlantic to the British Isles. That afternoon, she began seeing strange things in the distance just under the surface of the water. As the shapes got closer, she realized they were dolphins, and she was comforted by them. They remained nearby her for several hours. That night, although the darkness and unknown were frightening, it was also a a relief for Terry Jo. As the waves raised and lowered the float, she imagined herself as a pilot of an airliner coming in for a landing. She could see the runway and the lights. She also had visions of her father sitting and drinking a glass of wine and remembering how even though she had never had any wine to drink she thought that the wine looked refreshing the next morning wednesday things were quickly deteriorating literally the float was disintegrating and she had to balance herself on the float more and more Her lips were burnt and swollen. The sun was beating through her clothing, and she was hallucinating even more. She saw a desert island in the distance with one single palm tree on it, and she tried to paddle towards it before losing consciousness. On Thursday, Terry Jo was in a deep sleep, very close to death, until something caused her to stir awake. It was a very large shadow. Terry Jo opened her eyes and she could see what looked like a large wall. And on top of that wall were people waving. And she could also hear voices yelling and talking. 
The next thing she felt was strong arms lifting her into the air. She had finally been rescued. The freighter, Captain Theo, was about 120 miles from Miami when the second officer, a man named Nikolaus Spakadakis, spotted what looked like a little bit of debris bobbing on the waves. As they drew closer, they realized that the object was really a cork and canvas float and that there was a young girl on the float. After being pulled from the ocean, Terry Joe was taken by helicopter to a Miami hospital. So while this poor, sweet girl was in the middle of the ocean trying to survive, another story was unfolding. The day after the bluebell went down, the lookout on a Puerto Rico-bound oil tanker spotted a small wooden dinghy floating in the middle of the broad and deep Northwest Providence Channel. When the captain pulled the tanker closer, a man in the dinghy yelled, quote, My name is Julian Harvey. I am master of the Bluebell, end quote. Now, Julian had quite the story to tell. He claimed that he was the only survivor of a terrible accident. He said that in the middle of the night, a sudden squall damaged the sailboat. His wife, Mary, and the Duperals were all injured when the masts and rigging collapsed. Gas lines in the engine room ruptured and the ship caught fire as it slowly sank. Harvey said he had managed to launch the dinghy and raft and dive overboard, but tangled rigging trapped everyone else on board. Quote, it was dark, rough, and squally, he said. A little girl in a life jacket floated by in the water. He pulled her onto the dinghy and tried, unsuccessfully, to revive her. He said, quote, I drifted all night with the body beside me until the tanker, Gulf Lion, picked me up, end quote. His story started uh, raising eyebrows right away. Sailing experts doubted the description of how the main mast pierced the deck. Others questioned how lookouts in the area's lighthouses could have missed the blaze. Investigators looking into Julian discovered a little bit of a checkered past. At age 24, he enlisted in the Army Air Corps, flying bombers during World War II and jet fighters in Korea. He earned 12 decorations before injuries from plane crashes led to a medical discharge in 1958. His jet pilot coordination aside, Harvey seemed unusually accident-prone, starting with a convertible that lost a wheel and turned over when he was a teenager. He also had at least four marriages before he hit it off with Mary Dean. One wife, Joanne, died in a mysterious accident in 1949. Harvey was driving in Florida with his wife and her mother when the car crashed through a railing and plunged into a bayou. Harvey got out, but the women drowned. News that Terry Joe had been found alive interrupted the skipper's testimony at a Coast Guard hearing in Miami. He said, quote, oh my God, that's wonderful, end quote, when he found out that she was alive. So as he's giving his story, he finds out that Terry Joe is still alive. The next day, a maid at the Sandman Hotel saw blood on the sheets in Harvey's room, and when she couldn't open the bathroom door, her manager called the police. They forced the door open and found Harvey's bloody, lifeless body on the floor. He had died by suicide. 
A week after her rescue, officials questioned Terry Jo in her hospital bed. Her story disproved Harvey's account of the events. Her father, mother, brother, and younger sister, along with Mary, had been slaughtered aboard the Bluebell at the hands of Julian Harvey. The police suspect that Harvey killed his wife to collect money from her life insurance, and one theory suggests that Arthur Duperall caught Harvey in the act, prompting the other murders. Terry Jo returned to Green Bay to live with her father, sister, and three cousins. In 2010, Terry finally revealed the details of the night her family was killed and her days spent drifting in open water in her book, Alone, Orphaned on the Ocean. Terry told CBS News, quote, I've always believed I was saved for a reason. If one person heals from a life tragedy after reading my story, my journey will have been worth it, end quote. And that is the survival tale of Terry Jo Duperald. She is absolutely amazing. I hate that she had to go through that, but wow. What a story. Thanks for listening today. I hope you enjoyed the 50th episode of The Haunted Corner. The sources for today's episode will be listed on the blog post for the episode at www.thehauntedcorner.com. It'll be linked to in the show notes. Check out the other episodes of The Haunted Corner available now wherever you listen to your favorite podcast, also on YouTube, with new episodes dropping every Monday and Thursday. If you're enjoying the podcast and would like to share your support, head on over to Patreon. You'll have access to the exclusive Patreon-only episodes, early and ad-free access to episodes, plus a lot more. Head over to patreon.com forward slash The Haunted Corner to join now. Follow us on social media at The Haunted Corner on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and TikTok. If you're enjoying the podcast, be sure to tell a friend and also rate and review wherever you listen. If you have a case suggestion to share or a correction, please send it to thehauntedcorner at gmail.com or submit it through the website. As always, until next time, be kind and take care of yourselves and each other, and we'll see you soon. Bye.